If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. I can look over your head now and see this print from Birmingham Oddities sitting on your wall. That's sort of spectacular. It's cool. I need to get a nice frame for it. I will continue to say, like, every time anybody uses the, um, the outline of the state of Alabama, I mean... Bart Simpson? It's not Bart Simpson. It's the hangy downs. Like, nobody oh, sees the testicles. Yes. I mean... Yeah, I, I just... Know. You can't unsee it. Yep. You there can't. you go. It's, there's Thanks a whole new generation that. now. <laughs> You see, <laughs> Alabama. Alabama. We got balls. <laughs> <laughs> that should be our state motto. <laughs> Hi, Marleya. Hi, Patrice. <laughs> we are uh, happily sitting and drinking the Purple Haze once again because our bartender is unavailable, which and we always, <sighs> I know, I always make a pouty face when I say that. But... Purple Haze, I think, is our it's signature. It's our clutch. Yeah, it's our signature. <laughs> it's our clutch. <laughs> it's our clutch. I was going to try to make a fancy signature drink. <laughs> this is our signature drink. Um, but no, it's really just our clutch. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. So um, <clears throat> we had somebody reply or give us some... I love it when... Our listeners come in and say, hey, I'm actually from that area. Yes. And this is some extra stuff that you didn't know about. And I'm like eating it all up. It's like, I want to talk about that again. I know. For our um, postmortem, even though we didn't cover this in our last episode, which was episode 14. She's referring to episode six. Yes. Which was the Haint Blue episode that Morleya did. The Rockford Haunting. Yes. Which was like the first time really I got extremely mad <laughs> for scaring the shit out of me <laughs> it is a good story it it's a good a story and it's story. super fucking creepy it is. um so if you haven't listened to episode six go back and hit that one because it it is actually a lot of it's a lot of fun and it'll scare the shit out of you yes um do you want me to do you want yeah, me to read ahead. this there's yeah. this so um <clears throat> There was a new follower on Facebook. Um, Hi, Shay. Hey, Shay. And uh, this follower comments, I'm from Alex City, and I've heard about Reverend Maxwell all my life. So if you know this episode, you know who we're talking about, the voodoo preacher, Willie Maxwell. Go listen to it. And if you don't, go listen to it. And uh, it continues, the people around Rockford will tell you never to speak his name. To this day, they are still afraid of him. And that's one of those things. It's like, this was not like a story that, you know, comes from like old lore or anything. This is this is a fairly recent tale. Fairly recent, absolutely. And it's like, we're, this is real fucking people, you know, real fucking shit. Yes, in the 21st century. And you, I mean, you could probably... It's so funny. We still like hop on Google Maps and I still have people who are like, I think I can find this house. I know. I wonder if Shay knows where that house is. Shay, if you know where that house is. You let us know. Shout out. That's right. Oh my goodness. Also, we want to talk about our Pod X live show that's happening uh, May 31st. We finally got a time slot. 
Um, we are doing an hour podcast live show at 12.40 p.m. at the Nashville Music Center, Nashville City Music Center there at the Podex Conference. So first thing Friday, right after lunch, going live, we will, yeah. we were talking about, hold on for a second. <laughs> What the hell is he doing? Reason that it, it's okay to follow him is because it's thirty minutes away. Yes, I know. I and never I'm too lazy there. to I know, drive me too. down there. It's I was like, they happening. had that hot cross buns post that just went up, and I was like, oh. right. And we are talking about artisanal bakery. I'm giving a shout out to Annabelle at Artisanal Bakery. Oh my God, there's so in Anniston, good. Alabama. So good. Mm. Mm. Yes. So sorry for that quick intermission. Mm. Um. We refreshed our drinks. Peed. Peed. What and, were we talking about? Um, um, oh, we're still doing our... Uh, Pod X. Pod X. So, yes, we will be there. We're also going to do a brunch. So, if you want to have brunch with us in Nashville, we will be announcing time and place pretty soon. Yes. The whole point of this brunch is to get us all drunk before we go in. <laughs> um, so, because this is scary shit for us. We <laughs> yes. are normal people just like you. Absolutely. And, uh, and we've only been doing this for three months. So, yes. we are like babes in the woods. Oh, look at us. How cute. Staves in the woods. I know there's a song about that. That's not how it sounds, but anyway. Okay. So, also, a couple of things that are really non really related to. um, We've been. We've had earworms this morning in our head that we've been <laughs> singing so vain. that you've missed while we had to take our short break. Um, so, Bee Gees. How deep is your love has been How stuck in my yes, and then Marleya has had your so vain, which the two kind of work together, and uh, I love that. We should do a mashup. <laughs> we should do a mashup, <laughs> and we start then talking we're about get sued, and we'll never be here <laughs> again. Right. And. We were, we were talking about like earworms and Spotify and how the user interface in Spotify <clears throat> just sucks. But I went to my mom's this past weekend and she has Alexa. <clears throat> so she was able to just like say Alexa and the name of song and it would start playing. And it was fabulous because she didn't have to type in anything. She could just like say it. And most of the times it would understand what we're trying to say. So I started doing it and then it stopped working for me and I couldn't figure out why it stopped working for me. And it's because I forgot her name and I was calling her Allegra, (laughs) which is like an allergy medicine. (laughs) Allegra, play the beat. Allegra, damn it. Answer me. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh my gosh but you know uh so <laughs> one of our dear friends box fan chad yes. he and i have an ongoing conversation like i'm terrified of alexa my parents have one in their house right but i'd like you know they're listening all the time all the time all the time yes. and you don't even have to give them permission and alexa like there was like a documented case of alexa like listening to people talking in their house and randomly mishearing things and emailing the fucking transcript of their conversation to everyone on their contacts list without permission. Oh, damn. There is also the incident that we had (laughs) for Christmas where my sister-in-law decided to fuck around with my parents, Alexa, because (laughs) they have this, um, they have this system 
they they were there was a university group that was doing a study on data collection through this kind of interface mm-hmm. and um so they were having a it, it's basically have a conversation with alexa they're trying to train her how to respond like as an ai being to right. you right and um we had a short conversation with alexa in which you know rana continues to say shit like alexa are you a racist alexa mm-hmm. do you hate blank people Alexa? Mm-hmm. i mean just like just just for shits and giggles right right but also because we assume that they're you know they're right. listening out there right right and um <clears throat> i'm trying i, I want to get this right at one point she just got really frustrated because it wasn't a good interface right um like it, it wasn't even just that like that alexa is listening and it's terrifying it's that it wasn't a good interface and it kept on trying to have stupid conversations with us about movies we hadn't seen and we we're like fuck you alexa mm-hmm. and then uh she finally stopped and she was like alexa do you want to kill me <gasps> and what did she say she said yes oh my god and so like just just FYI, you know, this is... Oh, my God. I really... I mean, I, I sound like a conspiracy theorist. I don't have a tinfoil hat, like... <laughs> but, man, like, I, I trust the aliens before I trust, like, the corporations no, in our country. Oh, my God. So, you know, I mean, we are valuable because of our information. So, just, you know, as, oh as we continue along, the Alexa, you know, root of technology, just yes. remember... You're giving away everything valuable about you and they're taking it exactly. for their own use. For their own use and to use against you. Mm-hmm. No conspiracy there. But nope. Yes. Totally. Conspiracy. Just money. Just money. I was going to say, like, the government's not capable of, like, real conspiracies in my head. But, right. you know, money. Money. Money yeah. can do it. Absolutely. Welcome to America. Welcome to America. <clears throat> and the strange south. And the strange south. <laughs> crickets, crickets, cicadas. <laughs> Um, I think that's about it. Was that our? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I do have. I was going to talk about the sex tape, but I'm going to save that till next time. So you have to listen to it. Oh next, wow, that was well done. <laughs> next podcast. <laughs> because who's not, not gonna? <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. <clears throat> So it's my turn first. Yes. This is officially titled Fly by the Seat of Your Pants Week because... Yeah. This morning. We're both... (laughs) It's the struggle bus this week, you guys. total struggle bus. Uh, So forgive and enjoy. Um, Yeah, here we go. (laughs) So last week, um, Patrice, you talked about... Uh, Corpsewood Manor. Yes. And one of the elements of this story, and a lot of the stories that we've talked about, is Satanism in the South, right? Right. So it keeps on coming up again and again, even though like a lot of the time we just kind of throw it in as a side note to whatever story we're talking about, it just, it resurfaces all the time. Satanic panic. So, exactly. So part of what I was going to talk about today is the Satanic panic kind of (gasps) thing. Yes. So, yay. But, you know, it's I'm 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 honing in on like one story, one element of this. Um <clears throat> and it's the story of Diana Vaughn. But um the it's my personal reaction to this and this is really funny because I had kind of forgotten that this had happened. Mm-hmm. And um I'm not the person that I was in high school mm-hmm. as, you know, none of us are, right? Hopefully. I mean, all of the most interesting people, hopefully, I consider myself interesting. I'm so vain. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, you grow, you change, blah, 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 blah. I am, like, basically a, a like, complete 180. And um, so in high school, I was, like, goody, goody girl, 
um, youth group four nights a week at church, Baptist wow. church, Virginia. Um, I was there all the time. I mean, you know, read the Bible cover to cover, you know, never let a swear escape my lips was completely horrified like in the third grade when I like raised my middle finger behind a cereal box at the kitchen table because I thought I was going to be fucking struck dead I mean like (laughs) that's the kind of kid I was no history of anxiety at all but uh so so anyway we uh when we were in a youth group in high school and I will say my youth group leader didn't initiate this there was a like a kind of a semi mega church near us that had like this massive youth group and this guy who was in charge of that had made an arrangement to have this dude come and speak to our combined groups at church about his experience and i had never heard of him before his name was mike warnke and um he came and talked and told us all about his life as a former satanic high priest what also a Christian comedian. What? How does that work? It doesn't. Doesn't work. Um, he was this he was this kind of tubby little man with um, poorly permed long hair and glasses. Mm, 80s. It was it, at this point, it would have been probably like 1993. Oh, sorry. But I mean, really stuck in the 80s, I would mm. say. I mean, he had kind of a Gallagher sort of thing going on. Mm. And um, I, we're going a little further back than that. Sorry, youngins. But um, he uh, he talked about, you know, this horrifying. He wrote a book actually called Selling Satan. This was and this was the beginning of the evangelical powerhouse bot that like Mm. runs religion protestant religion in the united states it was like the beginning of the the massive evangelical movement and in my head anyways Mm -hmm. that's completely something i just pulled out my ass Mm -hmm. but you know in my life that's how it looked so um but he was widely publicized as being this like this former satanist and he went around and did his fucking christian comedy show which i'm like how funny could christian comedy really be but um you know, he did his clean comedy show and, you know, on the side is doing these little conversations like, you know, scared straight, you know, right. youth groups about my life as a satanic high priest. And his story was that, you know, he lived in California. He, you know, had, I guess, a bad home life, blah, 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 gets involved in the satanic church, ends up, you know, drinking people's blood and then goes to Vietnam and has some sort of massive conversion experience and comes back and becomes like a really not so funny Christian comedian. And, um... So I ate this shit up. Oh, wow. Because, you know, more because of the satanic angle than anything else. I mean, like when when you put yourself and my parents, I don't think ever really put myself in a they never put me in a box like they didn't expect purity out of us. But, um, you know, I put myself in the situation. This was mm-hmm. my community. These were my people. And so I put myself in the situation and um And that was how I thought about things. So but, you know, I've got this like twisted, fucked up little brain in there. And like I'm reading, you know, like semi pornographic elf quest novels that I keep under my bed because I'm afraid (laughs) Satan is going to come out and like fucking whatever to me in the middle of the night. And, um, and so I would like the titles of those. <laughs> now I'm very interested. Oh my God. I, I, I swear to God, at one point I taped them all together with masking tape and like threw them all in the garbage. I was mm. like, I was fucked up mm. with, by religion as a kid, even though it really, it wasn't bad. Like my experience is not a bad one, mm-hmm. 
But man, it was like take you your own brain and just level. tie it up and throw it in the fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so anyway, we we had this speech by this guy. He turned out to be one hundred percent fraudulent. Oh, you think? You think? <laughs> I mean, I'm honestly, like the 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 first thing that like would be a tip off is that apparently in nine months somehow this this tubby little permed dude becomes like a high pre in nine months. Like who has that kind of trust factor? You know? Right. Um. But. Uh, it was funny. I was sitting here, you know, trying to make my own personal connections to the satanic panic. And, you know, my friend Mike, who has listened to this podcast since the very, very beginning, I texted him immediately. And I was like, do you remember this guy? Because he has regularly messaged me since we started this being like, what happened to you? <laughs> like, <laughs> who is this person that just like spews fuck 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 (laughs) left and right on this podcast who would refuse like a speaking part in our Christmas play Mm. and now is sitting here like on the microphone every week just like saying fuck all y'all like I'm I am what I am fuck you so um by the way Mikey I love you And thank you, because you're awesome, and you've listened to this every week, and it's amazing. Um, so I texted him, and he was older than me, so he didn't remember this guy. And then I texted my best friend, John, who has the memory of an elephant, never forgets a goddamn thing. And, like, not even 30 seconds after I sent the text, what is this guy's name that came and talked to us? Mike Warnke. That's the guy. Right. Um now I'm have to so, go look him up. Look him. You should oh, look show him up. Notes. You need to do I'll show put notes. him on show notes. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I the I funny thing is I was so into like the countercultural like, ooh, Satanism is like interesting. Well, and, and it's also the you know, thing sexy. That, that somebody comes <clears throat> into like your church and they automatically receive that immediate authoritarian yes. trust uh Label. Mm-hmm. It's like this guy's speaking the truth because he's speaking out of church and nobody would come in here and lie to a church. Who oh, would do no. that? Oh, no one ever lies in church. Right. Who would do that? So, um, yeah, it was like uh, this. So anyways, yeah. So this dude, this is this is my personal history of uh, of Satanism, which I guess I always secretly found sexy. Um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> but, you know, this is and this is what the satanic panic was, though, you know, and I, that was, you know, Northern Virginia. We've already agreed. We've come to the conclusion. I am not a Southerner. <laughs> Northern Virginia doesn't count. But this was I think it was pretty thing. much. Yeah. Country wise. It, it was it, it was countrywide. And it does sound like I think partially because like protestantism is in a lot of places especially in the rural south is your community mm-hmm. you know Absolutely. i mean the, the church is where you see people and it is your community it and is so your social things, life it is your social life and so there are a lot of things that just kind of spread through that social circle and everyone seems to grasp onto them and run you know what i mean and i think um so something that was a nationwide sort of satanic panic that showed up on the six o'clock news like everywhere from wisconsin to florida it i think it might have maybe had a little bit more impact here because it yes. had, you know, there was a little bit more basis of interest, you know. Um, I agree. <clears throat> and so because of your story last week, I started researching the history of Satanism in the South. Um, and it was one of, it's one of those things like at that point too, like the reason it was called a panic is because like kids who dressed emo were Satanists, you know, druggies oh, were Satanists, feminists well, were Satanists. Freaking Johnson and Johnson was Satanists. Oh my God. Like, yes. Like, what is it? Procter and Gamble. Massive, Procter and Gamble. Procter massive conspiracies. Massive. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, massive. Which, you know, I'm not going to write that off. No. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, capitalist conspiracy is good. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know. mm-hmm. Here we go. Yeah. Blueberries. Yes. Um, 
Back to the story I'm trying to tell, which I pray I can tell with any amount of lucidity. Diana Vaughn. So this is um, this is a story that um, is from like the late 1800s. Okay. Um, supposedly, Diana Vaughn was born in like 1864. When she was around 35 years old, she's working as a professional typist and a representative to Europe um, of an American typewriter company. 1800s typewriters. Okay. Interesting. Good girl. Interesting. I, right. Seriously. I yeah. mean, like she's getting out there. Um, <clears throat> this woman was by one account quote, rather on the free thinking side, intelligent, whimsical, and pretty. So she hit national news um, in December of 1896, December 22, Louisville, Louisville, Jesus Christ, um, Louisville, Kentucky, mm-hmm. Louisville Courier Journal um, reports that Diana Vaughn has been communing with the devil. Um, oh, how would they know? And uh, they know this because there was a book published that was called uh the devil in the 19th century and it was published in europe it was published in france and it kind of caught on like wildfire when it hit the presses um and it was the story of her going she moved um okay so her her backstory was that she had been um, descended from like an alchemist like and this is in kentucky like a, a powerful alchemist he had pledged himself to the devil Okay. By beheading an archbishop, though. So this is the backup. This is the background story. We have archbishops in Kentucky. I don't know. The... I don't know. It's a little okay. weird, right? Yeah. So, like, dubious to begin with. Yes. Um, but um, she was raised, uh, whoever it was that her dad was, you know, they, she was raised in a Luciferian household. Um, okay. And she, she relocated from Kentucky, from Louisville, to Charleston, South Carolina. And um, Charleston, South Carolina was the rumored headquarters of a secret Masonic sect called the Palladians and their satanic temple what, and Masonic like is, Freemasons. Yeah. I understand the Masons. that. Yes. But they're not satanic. Interesting that you should say that we're going to get to that. Okay. So, um, so there was a sect of the Masons that was called the Palladians. Okay. And they had a satanic temple in Charleston, South Carolina. This is what this book says. Okay. Um, and in the center of like this massive maze, apparently in Charleston, South Carolina, like this underground temple of the Masons, um, there was a chapel for the Palladians called the Sanctum Regnum. And there was a statue of a demon like Baphomet, the statue. Mm-hmm. And there was a, um, a throne. And apparently this woman is reporting that she's had numerous meetings with the devil in this sanctum regnum, mm. which I don't know if I'm saying right, because I never studied Latin as a kid. Jessica, yes. you can tell no, me. No, I mean, I'm convinced. Um, so sounds good. <laughs> if I got nothing else, I can mm. convince other people that my bullshit is real. <laughs> yeah. So, um, this is interesting because like, I, all I want to do is read quotes because like it's late 1800s talking about semi-pornographic materials and that's <gasps> just it. fucking hilarious. Yes, do it. But I mean, it's like, there was one article that said Diana was said to have prepared herself for this dark master by a sort of fasting, what? which we are come to believe has to do with not touching her private parts oh. or having anyone else touch her private parts. Oh. Um, in spite of being described rather tastefully as a young woman whom a careful education rendered difficult, Diana was satisfied beyond her expectations. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? This does, that sounds pornographic. She, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Man, I'm Who raising the bar this? on this podcast. The, uh, <laughs> we're going to 
going to get a whole new bunch of people coming in for the shit that I'm throwing out. We're going to have to figure out hashtags for this. Actually, it's not that interesting. I mean, it's still 1800 semi-porn, you know? I mean, it's like we're not <laughs> we're not the talking eyes wide ankle. shut here. Oh my god, I'm so fucking old. I just threw out eyes wide shut. So, um, uh, so, uh, this was all published in this book called The Devil in the 19th Century. Her account of, of meeting Lucifer. Um, it was published earlier in like 1896 you know it, it hit the the louisville courier journal in in december oh, but wow. it had been published earlier in that year okay. in 1986 or 1896 in france um because it was reported that diana had been a servant to this sect of the masons the palladians for several years well how the fuck do the french i'm sorry i'm confused and she escaped Okay. And went across the sea to live in a cloister of nuns in France. Okay. And so then released her story and told it to the <sighs> press. So this is the story that we're going on. Okay. Um, and not everybody was like, you know, completely willing. Honestly, the first... I. I'll post a couple of pages. I actually subscribed to a newspaper site just to get my hands on the actual <laughs> news reports from the Louisville Courier Journal uh, from 1896. Don't and uh, I've got them as JPEGs so I can share them with all of you. And you can read what the paper actually said. The first article that they wrote about it in 1896 on December 22nd was very tongue in cheek. Right. And they were like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, like this lady is actually like having sex with Satan and like a, some Freemason you know place in south carolina <clears throat> but then not that long afterwards there's a second article published in the same newspaper that has a lot of passion behind it and it is an article that is an interview with a guy who claims to have known her intimately over the course of seven or eight years who um says that he is aware of all of these things he's aware of her background he's aware of her father he's aware of her like kind of running in occult and they're um, publishing this in the newspaper? Mm-hmm. Wow. Seriously. And so, I mean, but there's a really, really long article that's all quotes by this, like, purported friend of the family of the Vaughns mm-hmm. about, like, their their participation in the occult. Okay. So, um, you know, it started to kind of take hold. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of people that were talking about it. It was, it was oddly kind of international news. It was like, I'm going to say it was kind of a flash in the pan, but it was international news. Um, and so she did make headlines around the world. Um, and there was, a, you know, a lot of people are convinced there's a Masonic cult in Charlton, Charleston. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I really have to just keep on going back to these quotes. So uh, one of the things that is written, I believe this is a direct quote from the book that was published. It was the demon Asmodeus in a throne holding a saber in his right hand and the tail of the lion of St. Mark in the left, a trophy of a victorious battle over the legions of Jehovah. The description went on to say that the workshops of the fortress of Gibraltar were directly connected with the fire of hell. One Saturday in Paris, a day consecrated to the devil Moloch, a certain Sandaman operating with a table evoked the devil and immediately the table hit the ceiling and then fell to the floor, whereupon... Meloch, which they changed the name in the course of like this quote, in the form of a winged crocodile, sat at the piano and played a melody while ogling the bewildered mistress of the house. What <laughs> the <laughs> fuck? And this is why we have to go on quotes directly from the source. Stop. So just stop. Because <laughs> we need to dissect. <laughs> we that can't. Quote. We cannot dissect that quote. It doesn't make any fucking sense. It does not. Uh, it's really interesting that we have kind of like we've talked several times about this Victorian area 
era era there you go thank you (laughs) thank you um with the occult Mm -hmm. like the just fascination Mm -hmm. and the like seances and seriousness of like the occult during this time it's almost like listening to coast to coast it is though where it really is it really is where coast it's to coast like, come by it honestly. honestly i mean like really it's like just listening to the mentally disturbed uh, it's yep i'm fascinated yep. continue i know so uh <laughs> tell me more so <clears throat> winged crocodile so yeah, this, and that, that was part of the thing. And then like, so was LSD invented in this time? Or I swear. This, well, I mean, you know, lots like of people are on opium at different points, but I there is an explanation so. for all of okay. this that we're going to get to. Go ahead. So like that second article that I talked about where the guy was like corroborating all of the story of Diana Vaughn mm-hmm. that came out <clears throat> in the Courier Journal only three weeks after that initial article hit the United States. Um, because uh, part of the reason anyway, that this was in the Louisville Courier Journal is because it was reported that Diana Vaughn was from Louisville. I mean, that was her, that was her people. That was her backstory. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so this guy who had, you know, been talking to the newspaper had said that there were like 500,000 Palladians. This was the sect that Mm -hmm. she was involved in, in the United States, Mm -hmm. you know, like a much longer article in the newspaper than that first one that talked about what, you know, what her book had said. And by this time, Catholic periodicals in Europe have already thrown their complete support behind Diana's story, you know, that she's moved. She has converted away from Luciferianism and Palladianism. Uh, She has moved to France and joined a a cloister. And she's a nun now. She's a nun now. And so the Catholic Church is like, look at the Freemasons. Look at how wicked the Freemasons are. Uh, this story is supporting everything we've ever told I you. I kind of see and, how this um, is going. Yes. And then three days after that corroborating article came out, there's a teensy weensy little, not even a paragraph, like maybe two sentences in the Courier Journal under the People of Notes section uh-huh. that says <laughs> Diana Vaughn has been, quote, ruled out of existence and quote proven pretty conclusively to be the creation of the notorious journalist leo taxel what somebody made her up section two of my story is the actual real thing that goes behind all of this shit i wanted to insert here the part where i like laboriously like studied and understood the entire history of the feud between the Catholic, like the Catholic church and the Freemasons. But I can't do that because yes. I didn't well, put that I, kind I of effort into this shit. I was like, as soon as you brought the Catholics in and they're converting of this person yes. from the Freemasons, I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. I really, I mean like the amount, like, Oh my God, mountains of information, mm. like about the Masons, about the Catholic church, about the relationship between the two over the course of like eons. So, um, suffice it to say, um, brap. Uh, the Freemasons have been around since like the 17th century. If you've never heard of the Masons, if you um, lived in the South and never heard of the Masons, seriously, where have you been? Yeah, no shame, no judgment, no shame. No um, judgment. <laughs> I was totally judging there, but yeah, I take but that back. but the Catholic Church has kind of hated the Freemasons like forever, and um, uh, the Masons, it's like a secret 
I think part of the reason why people always grab onto it, you know, if you've ever read like Dan Brown books or anything, you mm-hmm. don't have to be a Southerner. Like right. the Masons are always in on the biggest like religious conspiracy stories. Correct. Um, and it's partly because they're, I mean, what they seem to actually be is just a fucking fraternity. Yes. The, um, yes. A fraternity. It's of a fraternity dudes. of rich dudes. Yes. Um, that but, go in and watch probably pornographic movies mm. and can do things without their wives exactly. that haven't explained to them and they just like and they're very good at keeping it secret and that's what makes it such a mystery to the rest of the world yes so like you know they talk about having a secret moral code they talk about communicating through secret you know symbols and messaging systems you know whatever symbology um and you know at one point the catholic church actually like considered them an association which plots against the church and um, masons were not allowed to take holy communion Oh, wow. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Like as recently as 1983. Oh, wow. Like Pope Benedict made a statement in 1983 that said that Masons could not take communion. Um, So there's that. They're considered like, quote unquote, anti-clerical. What's that? Which I could totally I could totally see that because I think I think some of the just from what I know, because I've had I have ancestors that were Masons. Mm hmm. and very much forward thinkers. And I yeah. can see where they're not associating with the church and especially the Catholic church. Anti-clerical. Like, yeah. and it's not unlike the whole satanic panic thing, right? It's like people that don't kind of fit into our mold. Right. We're going to vilify these people, yes, right? So as a group. Yes. So um, this is a situation with the Catholic church and the three Mason, Freemasons in like the late 1800s. So Leo, Leo Taxel. This is the person who they said has created Diana Vaughn. He's a French journalist. This is his pen name. I'm not even going to try and tell you what his real name is. I never took French in high school. I have no interest in slaughtering anything more than I normally do. So we're going to go by Taxel. Um, Sounds good. Which may not even be the correct pronunciation of his last name There's in French. There's this dude in France. This dude in France. Yes. Um, so anyway, I would love, I mean, oh my God, I would love to say this is a man after my own heart. So um, many of the references I found to this guy identified him as, quote, the famous pornographer, Leo Taxel. What? <laughs> he had already written a book that was called The Secret Loves of Pope Pius IX. What? He just basically like went out there just to fuck with people. It was his life's work. Oh my All God. All he did was hoax. All he did was prank. He was like the ultimate con man. He was the ultimate con man. And he loved doing what he did. Oh, I guess so. Because everybody bought it. Everybody bought it. Hook, line, and sinker. They fucking bought it. So, um, so he has written already this pornographic novel about the Pope. Oh my God. Did <laughs> you get your hands on that? Did no, I tried, but I do have a cover art that we can share. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so apparently this book was fucking hilarious and got him charged with libel by the Catholic Church. Oh my God. He was himself a former Freemason. He had actually got kicked out of the Masons partly for releasing this book because he was such a rabble rouser and he was such like just a little fucker. I mean, he just caused problems for everybody. And they, as much as we're saying like they they don't do any of the shit that we're saying you know that mm-hmm. this book says they do like they do still kind of covet their own secrecy mm-hmm. and so he did get censured by the freemasons well, and he yeah. got kicked out of his own mason like right. lodge um he, he was an extremist <laughs> he was an extremist <laughs> antics i like the word antics I for love, this guy yes. this guy but um <laughs> gar, gar. Ah. um 
But so um, at some point right around this time, the church had made a public proclamation specifically against Masons. And it was around the time when he got kicked out of his own lodge. And so Taxel, you know, is like, my life is apparently built on pulling pranks on people, made a spectacularly public and spectacularly fake conversion to Catholicism at this point, to the point that the Catholic Church completely embraced his conversion and started using him as like an example to other people. You can change. Look at what this guy did. He was a complete asshole. And here he is like being a Catholic now, right? (sighs) He did it entirely so he could pull this fucking joke. Oh my God. And he's my new hero. So, um, so the whole point of all of this mm-hmm. long running prank that he's pulling is so that he can expose both like the ridiculousness of the Catholic Church's bias against Masons and kind of the ridiculousness of the Masons and their secrecy. So right. he's like hitting on both, both sides of here. Them. Yeah. Um, he's like, a fuck you. A oh, fuck absolutely. You. And he's like, there are letters that he's written to his friends who understand his sense of humor, who are willing to go this extra mile with yeah. him, where he's like, okay, I need a woman. I need someone actually physically like flesh and blood who can mm-hmm. stand in for this person. And Diana Vaughn is actually a European representative of an American typewriter company who is intelligent and witty. Don't think she was actually from Louisville, Kentucky, but she got a fucking kick out of writing letters back to the Pope when he started writing to so her. So she was in on it. Oh, she thank was God. Totally I, I, was hope, like, they, I was hoping that was the case because if they like picked her and she wasn't in on it, Mm-mm. then I was like, oh my God, that really sucks. For it's her. not like that. It's not April Fool's. She, she was in on was it. In on it. Oh, that's amazing. She was in on it. Um, and so like she just sat there and giggled her fucking head off writing these histories of the Luciferians to the fucking Pope. Oh, and they ate it up. And they ate it up. And so um, in April 1897, he finally was like, OK, you know, I, like I said, U.S. journalists, they've all picked up on this by like December of 1896, April 1897. He's like, OK, the fever's gotten high enough. We're losing a little bit of steam. I'm going to call a press conference. I'm going to say we're going to invite Diana Vaughn and we're going to tell everybody everything. And really, it's just me standing up here telling me what I just pulled over on you assholes. Oh, wow. So he calls this press conference and he decides he's going to he's describing his prank in full, calling it, quote, the biggest hoax of modern times. Oh, wow. And I'm going to read this again, because seriously, like this guy's my fucking hero. Um, This is what he says. And I mean, I. I wanted to pull like little bits out of this confession while I was sitting in the coffee shop this morning, finishing this fucking story. Um, But it's ages long. I mean, it's so long, this confession. He just talked and talked and talked and talked. But um, this is my favorite part because it's also a little bit like prescient about like our times that we're living in today. Fucking fake news. Yes. Um, This is what Taxel says. The public made me what I am. The arch liar of the period. He confessed, for when I first commenced to write against the Masons, my object was amusement, pure and simple. The crimes I laid at their door were so grotesque, so impossible, so widely exaggerated, I thought everybody would see the joke and give me credit for originating a new line of humor. But my readers wouldn't have it so. They accepted my fables as gospel truth. And the more I lied for the purpose of showing that I lied, the more convinced they became that I was the paragon of veracity. So... Like people would come up and say like, no, like he would quote people in his stories and Uh people would come up and say like, I never said that. Immediately, this media machine turns around and starts saying like, this guy is part of the cover up. Like, 
yeah. Taxel's really telling the truth. It's this guy who's That's, trying to hide it from us oh, because shit. it's it's fucking confirmation bias. Like they always thought the Freemasons were shit, mm-hmm. and so they're like, he's telling us all the truth, right? right. This is all, all the truth. The they really drink the blood of babies all exactly, the same time. Yeah. and we're not even gonna get into the anti-Semitism part of this because that's way, 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 way oh, too much. Shit. But um. And then he said, it dawned on me, there was lots of money in being a Munchausen for the right kind. And for 12 years, I gave it to them hot and strong, but never too hot. (laughs) Which I might just make like the signature line of my email. Um, (laughs) When when indicting such slush as the story of the devil snake who wrote prophecies on Diana's back with the end of his tail, I sometimes said to myself, hold on, you're going too far. But I didn't. My readers even took kindly to the yarn of the devil who, in order to marry a mason, transformed himself into a crocodile and, despite the masquerade, played the piano wonderfully well. Oh, my God. Ah, the jolly evenings, he said, I spent with my fellow authors hatching out new plots, unheard of perversions of truth and logic, each trying to outdo the other in organized mystification. I thought I would kill myself laughing at some of the things proposed, but everything went. There is no limit to human stupidity. Oh, my God. This fucker got up at a podium and said this to a bunch of fucking Catholic journalists. And I read a paper, an academic paper that said that if they hadn't had a policy where you had to check your cane at the door this man would probably never have walked out alive oh shit so uh that i i've seriously have found like a new hero of the age um unfortunately taxel died in relative obscurity in 1907 it really wasn't that far after this prank Mm -hmm. he had already pulled tons of these things and part of his like very honestly vain confession about this hoax that he had pulled was like a listing of all the other things that he had pulled over on people over the years. And um, he was just like the editor of like a cooking journal when he died (laughs) in 1907. I was Um, obviously bored. And so even though, and this is, this is the part that I think like really kind of reflects on modern society because fucking Facebook and fake news. um, Even though he himself stood up and said, I made all this shit. I like, I made they this still up, fuckers. It. Everybody, I mean, you'll, you're going to still hear some of the stories that he wrote about masonry, like in popular urban legends now, because once people decide they're going to believe it, oh, repeat yeah. it enough times and it becomes true, right? Absolutely. Welcome, Donald yes. Trump. Yes. You know, you say that it's true enough times. People are just going to believe you. Yep. So yeah, I may be alienating people here, but I don't give a fuck The um, the fake news cycle is not new and it's just much more pervasive because we do everything more quickly. But right. this is the beginning of it. Southern, like fucking satanic panic. That's my story. That's the wow. end. Wow. Damn, Marlea. That is awesome. <laughs> I don't know how the fuck I'm going to follow that up. This, I just got champagne in my eye. I'm not really sure how I did that. We're going to take a quick break and be back (laughs) shortly. We are back. Yes, we are. Oh, my God. This is so dangerous. Let me go one second. This purple haze, though. Oh, my God. So dangerous. So that was a really kick-ass story. (laughs) It may not be true. I don't know. (laughs) This is like, you know... It is not a factual. It's kind of like very <laughs> seat of our pants. Interesting to us. Maybe we'll research it. And that's usually what happens is like we tell mm-hmm. a story 
And usually we're on the front end of discovering the story instead yeah. of the back end like we probably should be if this was like a really legit podcast. Shit, we've got a disclaimer. Mm-hmm. We are what we are. <laughs> we are what we are. But this is all new information. And now I'm totally interested in this. And if like anybody, shit, if anybody <laughs> has any information on this or knows any more about this, that would be fabulous. Because now I'm totally curious <laughs> about this whole aspect of this whole new world you just opened up to me. <laughs> and it makes what I was totally excited to share seem like shit. It's going to be amazing. But it'll be fine. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be fine. Interestingly enough, it's in Kentucky. Yes. So teams. today is Kentucky Day. And I think it, for me... I was just looking at states. It's like, what state have we not hit? Um, I was like, Kentucky. And I have ancestors, like half my ancestors were from Kentucky. Oh, okay. And an interesting story, because I can't remember if I said this before. It's like, I am the great, great granddaughter, great, 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 couple of greats, granddaughters (laughs) of a Kentucky moonshiner. Yes. And so moonshining is in my family. I feel like that was in episode one, even. No, yes. two, two. Episode one or two. two. When well, you talked the three-legged uh, lady road. Yes, that's episode one. When I was talking about, like, yeah, the moonshine, because my people lived on three-legged lady road. And um, those were the Kentucky people who were... There's a story that says that one of my ancestors was asked to leave Kentucky and never to come back. Asked, quote-unquote. By who, at rifle point right <laughs> exactly and so we know that that's in there so i know i have you know ancestors from kentucky i do know from um just stories heard from you know my grandparents and everything that uh we have relatives that were in the mason so it may be the kentucky people again Ooh, the, oh you may have a personal connection to that story so i may have a personal connection to this story absolutely sorry y'all i'm trying to eat something because i drank way too fast yeah she's I'm legit trying, like two two drinks down on me i'm I think. trying very seriously to get my shit together here so i can <laughs> tell the story because i really oops i just hit that i really <laughs> won't to convey the story the best way I can, even though I just found it last night and worked on it this morning. So again, it's going to be one of those things where it's just this subject matter is, is initially very interesting. Do your own research because I'm sure I'm missing a lot of stuff. <laughs> get on it, it people. Um, yeah, get on it and tell us what we fucked up on. <laughs> All right. Have a sip of water. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to get Patrice water and snacks in between so she didn't pass out. Yes. So this is from, I found this book called Kentucky Book of the Dead. Oh. By Kevin McQueen. And one of the first stories he talks about is the ghost of White Hall. Okay. Okay. So this story starts with Cassius Marcellus Clay. Wait, what? And if that name sounds familiar... Because of the boxer? Yes. (laughs) So, Muhammad Ali was named after his father, who was named Cassius Marcellus Clay. No shit! Senior. Also from Kentucky. So, Muhammad Ali was from Kentucky. And his dad was named Marcius... Or, uh... Cassius Cassius Marcellus Clay Senior. 
and Muhammad Ali was named Cassius Marcellus Clay Jr. But they were named after this figure that I'm just going to talk about from Kentucky because he was a famous abolitionist. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So he is a very underrated character in Kentucky's history and probably um, the nation's history as well. He was the son of Green Clay. How would you like the first name of Green? <laughs> Green Clay. Right? My name is um, Green Clay. Green Clay. I think that's like the moldy part that you want to throw out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's really strange. Okay, side note. Um, everybody sees Green as very, like, like Genghis Green and sickly and stuff. Mm. Or when I think of Green, I think, like, rebirth, rejuvenation. Mm. I don't know. Actually, that should be the better way to do it. I mean, because, like... As long as I'm not thinking of it in terms of, like, names or something. Mm. I don't know. I so. Man, I, don't know. I feel like I've just been called out because that's it's true. Weird. Like, no, no. I shouldn't no, like, You're not the first pers- like that. person that I've, like, had this argument with. Yeah. It's like, no, green is rejuvenation. It's spring. And it is, too. Huh. Interesting. Okay. But it's also, like, very sickly because you don't want to paint, like, a hospital green because it's, like, seems, like, very sickly color. Is it one of those things that, like, it just all comes from our vanity? Like, we're looking in the mirror and it's like, if the wall is green, we look kind of gross. Is that? Maybe. I don't know. That may be it. Anyway. Okay. So anyway, his father was uh, Green Clay. <laughs> and um, but he was one of the largest slaveholders in Kentucky. Oh, so it's the story of my father does this. I'm going to do the exact opposite. Awesome. So Cassius was very much one of the most vocal um, emancipationists in the South pre-Civil War. Wow. Again, I'm kind of speaking about the period of time that you were talking about, too. Mm-hmm. Um so he was handsome, he was willful, he was tall, powerful. Um, he was a you know, very like tall, strong, in your face, kick your ass kind of person and literally kick your ass. And when I was reading about some of the fights that I'm fizzing to talk about, it reminded me of the mother that like drops her son off at the bus stop where she's very much like her saying is I'm going to kick your ass. And I believe her, she would kick her ass. And I have some <laughs> friends that seriously, I will not go out with at least back in the day. I would not go out with because they love to pick fights and it's like their percentage are, are just basically if we went out drinking at any point in time, I could pretty much guarantee I was going to end up in jail. Simply from being a bystander because she was going to kick somebody's ass. I'm so sorry that bartender Courtney is not here today because she is 100% one of them ass kickers. <laughs> <laughs> Always them shit starters, right? So this is kind of like the person that I imagined he was and, and that we have. Like, I love those people. Like, they are dear friends. They're usually like very small women. And I can't figure that out it's like the, you know but they will totally destroy you and he yes. was like one of those people so let's talk about some of the fights that he got in awesome and it makes sense because his dad was you know rich slave owner he was totally against that he was very vocal against that he was known for this pre-civil war he everybody was coming after him mm. right and so um he fought in an incomplete inclusive duel with this political enemy so obviously this deals a lot with politics at the time as well and this guy that he was in this uh, duel with that i guess they missed each other i don't know how an inconclusive duel actually comes off there. <laughs> 
like, like, yeah, this is so a really pissed. interesting thought. Like, we need to study, like, the... <laughs> right? It's like, how did... It's like, you just how get one turn, work? and then if y'all both miss, it's like, eh. I mean, I've watched North and South. I mean, there's that's pretty much my, like, my knowledge of how duels work. Right. Know. So, I, yeah, so... If you both miss each other and it's, you know, kind of a draw, but you're both pissed off at each other enough to kill each other. Like, obviously, it's not settled. So the guy that he was in this duel with hired a professional thug (laughs) to come after this guy, right? And oh, man, so this, like, what a wussy way to go, right? No, so he hired this, like, he's still pissed off. He hired this guy to come after Clay, and the guy shoots him, but Cassius Clay always wore, like, this, what did they call it? Let me find the word. Ba, 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 ba. He, the scabbard, scabbard. Oh, okay. This, this thing that had his favorite weapon of choice, which was the Bowie knife, in it and so he actually shot the bowie knife and the bullet ricocheted and clay was like what the fuck so pissed him off the uh clay pulled out his bowie knife and what he ended up doing he totally like rearranged this guy's face he cut off his ear his nose and he like like cut out his eye oh my so he God. was fucking carving this dude up that shot him and missed and the guy the thug the guy that was like initially tried to assassinate clay um his friends like when they saw all the shit that was going down they grabbed the thug and they like threw him into the river so that he could get away and the guy like oh wait. floated down the stream got away and obviously was one ugly mug afterwards he didn't die i love that that's your backup plan it's like it's like oh my god my friend's getting his ass kicked we're not gonna deal with this dude because he just cut off his nose and his ear and plucked out his eyeball so we're just going to like throw our friend into the river and then run away this is your safest plan b dude (laughs) you you did not fuck with cassius clay oh my god it's just you know he would kick your ass Uh, seriously when you said bowie knife like all i could think was like this is the real version of like crocodile dundee kind of shit oh it's worse (laughs) it's worse right okay so that was his favorite weapon um later on uh so cassius clay was from like madison county i think it was and this is like just south of lexington so we're talking about middle of kentucky if you'd i had to go look it up because i don't know anything about the geography of kentucky So basically the middle of Kentucky, um, just south of Lexington. So he actually had an office in Lexington and he was publishing this newspaper about anti-slavery again before the Civil War, before all of this happened and was not a popular dude. But he had a reputation, obviously, of kicking your ass. So you didn't want to, like, (laughs) confront him. So what a mob of people ended up doing is that he caught typhoid fever. Oh. And he was laid up sick in bed with them, it. So while he was doing this, no. a mob of people broke into his office and like took his printing press and destroyed it and threw it out. But they like Son wouldn't do it to his bitch. face. I was going to say like <laughs> fucking cowardice, 100%. <laughs> Shit. So that's kind of how he was handled. Um like in 1849, again, before the Civil War, uh, he insisted on making an anti-slavery speech um, at a pro-slavery rally in 
Foxtown, Madison County. So again, making him like a favorite among the people. Oh my God. Uh, he was sl- uh, stabbed with his own knife. This guy is a fucking badass. I mean, he really should have died. I feel died like the theme of this kid. episode isn't Kentucky. It's like, it's like new heroes of the age. <laughs> Amazing. So he was stabbed with his own Bowie knife. He took the knife out of his stomach and stabbed somebody else oh with God. it and killed them. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> crazy shit like that happened all the time. Um, oddly enough, he's co-founder of the Republican Party. What? So oh, well, he, we all know that the parties flipped. Right. Though, so like, the co-founder of the Republican Party, he was a very staunch supporter of Lincoln during this time and campaigned on his behalf. And this is that word that there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to say. <laughs> but he actually, Lincoln actually um, made him the minister of this really long word, which is basically a delegate. He became a, a diplomat, um, a diplomat to Russia during this time. Can you, you should just pull that up on your computer, that pronunciation that you played for me earlier. And just, <laughs> if I was that coordinated right now, I would totally do that. Cause I did play that word for, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to say this. I've word. already forgotten what it is. It's, it's like, like 16, something. Yeah. It's 16 syllables. Nobody knows who the, what the fuck this word means. Um, not even important. So, yeah, it's plenipotentiary. Oh, I was close then. That was very close. Oh, nice. Yes, I don't know. Pulled that Plenipotentiary. So he got very... So during all this, right before the war, um, he went to Russia. Because I think at the time, France and Britain were on the side of the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. And he went to Russia to kind of help put in check those two countries during the Civil War to make sure that Russia did not also side with the Confederacy. Mm -hmm. So he's very instrumental in that. So he was away at Russia for a very long time. And this makes me so, this makes me laugh so hard. Um, So while he was away, let's talk about his house. So his dad, and I mean, we're talking about, he was very like, you know, abolitionist he was very much anti-slavery at the time but he was still living off of daddy he was still living off the money daddy made from slaves so good use of the money but he was still using the money uh he his dad gave him this house and it was initially called the claremont claremont um he moved into it he got married and his wife's name was mary jane warfield clay but he went off to Russia around, you know, right before the Civil War, during the Civil War, made friends with uh, the Tsar Alexander II. Oh. And, um, you know, was very instrumental during the Civil War and whatnot. But he was gone. So while he was gone, Claremont um, was left alone there with his wife. And so she just happened to supervise an architectural expansion of the house. So, Claremont went from this kind of, you know, well-to-do, but humble, two-story building, home, residency, that had maybe eight rooms total. Check this shit out. (laughs) This is not passive-aggressive wife shit. I don't know what is. She added an extra story, so it went from two stories to three stories. And it went from eight rooms 
to 44 <gasps> rounds. <laughs> she was like, fuck you. Leave me alone. See what I'm going to do. That's amazing. And this included like walk-in <clears throat> closets. Now this house, it's it's amazing. Um, it was really one of the first houses in America to have central air and heat and indoor oh, plumbing. Holy so shit. So it had like toilets and sinks and water closets and all of that fancy oh stuff. God. But you fucking go to Russia and ignore me and see what you come <laughs> back to. <laughs> and when he did come back, there was a little bit of like contention there. Just a tad. Just a tad. So he returned he returned from Russia in 1870. And obviously the marital relations were a bit strained from the fact that he was gone so long. And also from the fact that, that she built like 25 rooms without him. <laughs> but he came home with a boy of uncertain parentage. Oh shit. That he undoubtedly had something to do with that he adopted oh so um how many more rooms were built after that yeah well not many because they basically got divorced Mm, in 1871 so after the civil war and everything he came back from russia had probably his illegitimate child with him and she's like peace out motherfucker although she should have kicked him (laughs) out of the house but since (laughs) You know, it was his family's house. He stayed in the house. She left and they got divorced. Wow. Um, Wow. Yeah. So after the Civil War, kind of this was his pet cause. Um, It meant the end of slavery. And really before then, like he had servants like at the house before the Civil War. But as soon as his dad gave, and his dad, like, he inherited it from his dad. And as soon as his dad gave it to him, he immediately freed them. Mm-hmm. But most of them stayed on because he paid them. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, once you're a free slave, even, I mean, even post-Civil War, but especially, um, and I'm sorry, um, what, what is it we're supposed to, the enslaved persons. Yeah. So as soon as these enslaved persons were freed, he employed them because they had no job opportunities, especially yeah, during say, that time. Where are they going to go? Where yeah. are they going to go? Right. <clears throat> so um, he did employ them. He did pay them and they remained part of his household. And then his wife left. He basically lost his cause and had no, he became like persona non grata in, in politics. It's oh. like he had no purpose now. It's like everything that he was striving for and pushing for, happened for the most part after the civil war slaves were freed um he had really nowhere to go he had nothing to fight for oh no and so his house you know he became very eccentric um he had this huge fucking house i was gonna say like how are you gonna take care of 44 fucking rooms and he really didn't he you know only stayed in a couple of rooms you know it was just him uh, and his servants, and he grew old, and his servants kind of became afraid of him because, again, he's this old timer, kick your ass, obviously <laughs> short tempered. You know, there's a dude. Bowie knife in there somewhere. You know, there's a Bowie knife. There's nothing that he is fighting for, so he's he's pretty much like a trigger, like Aww. you know, kind of thing. Um, when he was eighty four years old. So all of this time has passed. He's lived by himself. Doesn't really have a cause anymore. But when he turned 84, he married a 15-year-old. Um, <clears throat> yes. 
inappropriate inappropriate and of course it became national news even during that time because yeah that was such a huge leap right but it was the sister of a former 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 It was the sister of an old tenant farmer okay. that he married, and she was 15. 15. Mm-hmm. And so everybody in the community was convinced, as I would be too, that she was basically held against her will right. to marry this old great-grandpa, because this is basically what he would have been to yeah. her. great-grandpa. Oh, oh, great-great. Yes. yes. And so, Fuck. like, this mob of people came to, quote-unquote, rescue her, Okay. but... Clay, being the badass, I'm going to kick your ass oh at 84 God. that he was threatened to fire a cannonball full <laughs> of shrapnel at him. Because apparently he kept cannons at his home <laughs> for whatever reason. Oh, my God. Yes. So they left <clears throat> um, and went away. And about four wow. years later, um, you know, him and his wife, Dora was her name, Dora Richardson, divorced, but it was very amicable. Okay. So it wasn't like... So maybe she wasn't being held against her she will. She wasn't being held against her will. Yes. Maybe she didn't really know any better, and yeah. he was this rich, older dude. Uh, well, I, I was going to say, she like, was... she could have known better, and he could have been, like, a rich, older dude, but yeah. damn. No, it's just it's really converse, right? But they parted amicably um, in 1898, kind of turn of the century, and he was basically, you know, in his late 80s, he was lonely, he started getting, like, dementia and stuff. Um, of course, some people didn't really about his personality or behavior um because he had burglars that you know came into the house and tried to steal stuff from him and he killed two of them <laughs> of course he and did. in self-defense and chased the third one away so again even 84 years old you don't fuck with him and there's also a story um that was told of when he was like almost like close to dying that there was a house fly and that he took out his rifle oh and blew the house fly to Adams <laughs> because it was pissing him off. <laughs> so moral of the story, whatever age, you don't piss this guy off because he Adams, will take you out. <laughs> so he ended up dying and the property, it was already like he wasn't able to take care of it. Um, when he got older, I don't know if like just funds ran out or he's just too old to give a shit anymore, but the house like deteriorated mm. his descendants, you know, uh, they had like several generations of tenant, f- uh, farming families come and live there, live on the property there. I think there was about 14 acres or so, um, on this house in Whitehall. And that's what it ended up being called as Whitehall after he like moved into it. That seems unfortunate. Like that- it is an unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, like, I think- it is. So 1965 Whitehall was abandoned and it basically became prey for vandals. Mm-hmm. And then later on at the end of the sixties, early seventies, Clay's great grandchildren um, went in and they actually gave Whitehall to the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Okay. So they gave it to the state and the state thankfully restored it um, thanks to largely one of the governor's wives at the time. And so in 1971, Whitehall became open to the public and there were tours given there and luckily a lot of the like antiques remained and history buffs and lovers of antiques obviously like were drawn to it. So it's like this really great place um, that's been a tourist attraction since the early 70s when they gave um, the house to uh, the government or to the state is it still open it's still open now it is open now and this is gets to, to the second part so this is oh. all of his so it's like a great draw for you know people interested in antiques and of that time period of that history but it is haunted as fuck no shit <laughs> so <laughs> I, I can't even tell you because a lot of the hauntings and a lot of there's so many experiences that people have recorded that I'm just like, 
it all blends <laughs> together because it's like the same thing over and over and over and over again. Oh so my God. it is totally one of those places and they give ghost walks. So it's one of those places that even people on tours have experienced stuff. As I'm fisting to tell you about. Oh, amazing. Okay. So early on, like strange lights have been noted in Whitehall and like mysterious lights moving around on the yards. And there's been guards reporting saying like candle lights move from window to window when the house was empty. And there's strictly a no candle policy, obviously, in this older home. It would be highly flammable. I have to say like, we have a no candle policy. Uh, no candle policy. Like, <laughs> nobody's allowed to burn anything because everything just go whoosh. Um, so pretty much from the beginning, as soon as this became like a public tourist place and you've had guards and you've had like people working there cause they give tours of the house. They get people like dressed up in period clothing oh, nice. to give like tours of the house and they've named the different rooms. Like some of the rooms were named after Clay's daughters who actually were suffragettes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, oh, man. it's very, it's very cool. The whole history is very cool, but the paranormal things that happen. So there are so many accounts of like seeing these lights on the property from guards and from like the people that actually work there. And then from some of the people that have like been on the tours, like when I was going over this i mean really i could sit here i'll I'll read some of this but it's just so redundant so people have seen silhouettes of humans looking out one of the master bedroom windows and there seems to be rooms that are particularly hot like the rooms that things happen in the most um so there's lamps seen there's light seen and um like clay's sons whose name was brutus which is kind of wow that makes cassius and brutus yes that's fair that's fair um you know third floor lamps out lamps on again kind of things happening footsteps so stomps in the house um, multiple times people go investigate and there's nobody else in the house. Of course not. Uh, odors of pipe smoke and perfume oh, um, nice. that happen and then go away very quickly along with the smell of brandy. Which I don't know what the smell of brandy actually smells like, so I don't know if I'd be able to recognize it very specifically. I feel like I can hang with these ghosts though now. Oh man. Pipe smoke and brandy. And then the candle, like smelling burnt candles, even though, like I said, there's like a no candle policy in this house whatsoever. So smells, lights, footsteps have been heard a lot. Um, there's like people would hear walking up and down the stairs knowing there's nobody like on the first or second floor mm. um somebody walking they would hear somebody walking the back steps leading to the basement and the basement seems to be very cavernous it's like huge basement that a lot of the stuff happens in there's also been reports of hearing violin or piano music um Ooh, in the empty yeah ballrooms and um also sometimes hearing a party going on so so many different little things and they have a policy there because so many things have happened for such a long time that they tell their employees like as soon as you experience something unusual come write it down and this is basically you can look this up and see like all the accounts of things that have happened tables being scooted or chairs being dragged across the floors can be heard as well um in the 1980s fucking intercoms they had a phone intercom system that permitted like persons to eavesdrop on any room that was connected to the phone and you didn't even have to be in there like the, one of the employees had like the number and they could call into the like open up the intercom system so they could listen and they did that on various occasions and they one time one of the persons called in and they heard music and the sound of people dancing um and it seemed like, you know, they also heard like dozens of voices talking all at once. And of course they hung up and called it again. And then there was nothing. So just really freaky shit happening there. One of the ladies who was given a tour, whose name was Kathy was um, up there getting ready 
before anybody else came there, and she heard a man calling Catherine twice outside of the master bedroom, and she thought it may have been, like, one of the people coming in, like, one of the other tour guides coming in, Mm -hmm. and she said she, like, looked out the window um, to see if their cars were there, and their cars weren't there, but those people were driving up. There was no cars there, and, (laughs) yeah, so she said she, like, ran out of the building and was just, like, waited until, like, other people got in there. I bet they got amazing turnover. Oh, my God. You think? I'm just giving me chills just thinking about that. Oh, my God. I would never walk it again. Mm. But, you know, it happens, and there's, um, let's see... There's times when people can hear, um, like, muffled but very loud arguments um, of certain, like, men's voices. And they'd give tours, and they would, like, all of a sudden hear, like, this very muffled, loud argument between two men. And everybody would stop and listen. And then they would go looking for it. And then nobody would be, like, on the floor other than them. Oh, wow. And so it was something that the tour guide and the tourist would hear. So there's several incidences of, like, giving these ghost tours or just giving a regular tour of the building because it so, has such historical significance. But yet these people would automatically find themselves in the middle of a paranormal tor- normal experience that they can't explain or an Shit. experience that they can't explain. Um, so a lot of like arguments, man and woman arguing, um, at least three ghosts have been seen. There is one that is a dark haired woman that usually wears a dark dress. And they assume that this is Clay's wife, Mary Jane, who built the, all the 40 something rooms. She walking around like grumbling, like fucking, <sighs> fucking bastard. Son of a bitch. Yes. There's also a young boy who's been seen and they think this is prob- probably, um, one of Clay's sons called, um, Alicia, Elisha, Elisha is probably how you say that, Elisha, Um, and the third, obviously, is Clay himself walking around, Um, but like I said, entire tours have seen the ghost of the woman, actually, because she has, like, walked by during a tour. Oh, my God. And gone through, like, they have a roped-off area. Because they share the water closets being, like, one of the first places to have running, you know, water and toilets and stuff in America. Mm-hmm. So, they have this, the water closets, like, actually roped off. And there's been a couple of incidences where a dark-haired woman in dark clothing has, like, walked by them walked through the ropes <laughs> and through the door into the water closet like, while they were she on shuts tour. the door and they can just hear her <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like somebody turned the fan on <laughs> but this has happened more than once so the darker woman like, apparently the water closet it's a big draw it's like that's happened several times with the water closet oh, and yeah, the yeah, she just gave no facts though that's just, just like, just like oh, i'm gonna leave the door open <laughs> put it in my house and you see what you see right so that has happened several times um there has been like ladies in hoop skirts um, of different colors then because the tour guides, they dress up in period clothes and they dress up in the hoop skirts of the time and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And several instances, they would see other figures in hoop skirts of like a bright blue and wouldn't say anything, anything about it. And then they would call up, you know, the other tour guides and say, and what were you wearing today? And, oh, and they were yeah. like, none of them had you know, like a bright blue hoop skirt or anything like that going on. <laughs> Same thing with like yellow gowns. So, this happens so much it is but then they would go like periods of time where nothing like a year or so nothing happened then all of a sudden it would crank up again and there would be like incidences like this happen all the time how odd i wonder what like causes that i don't know there would be there would be periods where um they would go in in the morning and get everything ready and they would hear like this music and they did have a radio but the music was a little bit different and it was actually like music box 
Oh my music God. and nobody was it in a minor key nobody yeah nobody terrifying. that was terrifying right <laughs> um what was this a music box like ice castles was that used to be like a music box song oh my god i don't remember Ooh. anyway so they would hear a music box and the only person known to have a music box in the history of that house was dora richardson which was the 15 year old bride child bride oh, wow. of clay um and she was known to have a music box and clay forbid her for playing it so maybe that was kind of her coming back and saying fuck you i'm gonna play it anyway i was gonna say like fuck you man like 84 years old and she's 15 she marries and you like she can do whatever the hell rooms. she wants exactly catch me suck yeah <laughs> so um so again till this day like the last incident i read was like 2005 um a couple of the tour uh guides there see they bop, bop, bop. oh a couple of tour guides there, both at different, they were at both at different angles. One was with a group. I think the other one wasn't, but was like on the same floor. A man walked past them in period clothing and like stopped and turned and looked oh back at them. Oh my God. And then proceeded to go into the room and they thought it was one of the guys, although it did, it kind of looked like him, but it, it was like same dress, but it wasn't his face. Mm-hmm. And he walked into one of the rooms and one of the tour guides like followed him in there. And of course there's nobody in there. And the other guy that was like on the other side, she was like, did you see that? And she was like, yes. Who was that? And they couldn't find oh him. Oh my God. So next place on wow. our list. I know. We I was like, to we're going to go to this place. Is the White Hall <laughs> just south of Lexington, Kentucky and Madison County. And it's actually in Richmond. Richmond, um, Kentucky. It is still open today. You can still take tours. They still have ghost tours. It's amazing. I think we'd have to go there a couple of times and just hope to see something. Right? I'm just thinking like, oh, my sister-in-law goes to work there all the time. (laughs) So that is the story of the ghost of White Hall and Cassius Marcellus Clay. Cassius Clay. Yes. Shit! That was awesome! Are you kidding me? I don't know. I'm gonna go look up your stuff. Oh, that I'm was so, so good. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I hope everybody else enjoyed this as much as we did because we're both oh. coming into this like, oh man, we didn't do shit this week. <laughs> I know, but look what I found. And now we have to like go put our show notes up mm. and do further research. And hopefully, somebody has been there and can tell us about it, or maybe yes. work there. Have any is- stories? Share, 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 yes, share, share. Because we're very much interested. We love y'all so much but honestly we're doing it for ourselves <laughs> <laughs> you're so vain oh, so vain all right well good episode good episode follow us we already have a little tag follow us follow yes. us on the things follow us on things and i'm thinking about doing a newsletter sending out like our drink recipes and maybe some more information about what we're doing. I like we're touring got- around with some stuff. Mm. We are we are in the process of touring around with like some some different things, some different opportunities, and <laughs> I love that we're being as vague as, as we vague can be as possible. With this we'll announce this at a future yeah. date. But thank y'all so much for listening and putting up with us. Yes, we, we love you. Keep doing it. Bye. Bye. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at thestrangesouthpodcast.com or on our website, thestrangesouth.com. Yes, thank you.
You see? <laughs> Alabama. Alabama. We got balls. 